Welcome back to God's Own Scale, where the smaller it is, the bigger the reward. Today we have the return of the Scandinavian superstar Per Broden to talk about his year in gaming, topped off by winning Best in Show at Salute for his magnificent Poltava game. This is a somewhat delayed episode of the show due to numerous factors, but rest assured the show will go on and I have several more episodes lined up already for the new year. Hobby News over the last couple of months has seen backers continue to produce wonderful items for the Pony Wars range, including a magnificent locomotive set, and who doesn't want a train set at Christmas? There are now also some great ready-made packs for the Pony Wars that Peter has put together, including all you'll need for the Settlers or the Indians or the US Cavalry, etc. Check out the Bacchus website for details. And anyone who has seen Dan Hodgson's completed Pony Wars setup can't fail to be inspired by what he's done over the last 12 months with those figures. Speaking of which, it was great to follow Dan's Arnhem game with David Vasilevsky and George Roundtree, amongst others playing a pre-festive game using a modified All Hell Let Loose. And that, along with the likes of Keith from the Wargames Room on Twitter, have really re-enthused me to get some paint on my 6mm Guildford Courthouse project, more of which at the end of the show. In other news, Henry Turner is getting ready to launch his next Kickstarter project, producing 3D print files for the Cavalry of Napoleonic Europe. Titled Europe Asunder 2, the campaign will be launching very soon. And check out all the usual social media outlets for news on that. It's great to see Rapier Miniatures have a new release in the form of a 6mm winter camp with three log cabins, which are lovely little sculpts. And you can buy a set, uh, a winter camp set, uh, including the three log cabins and 12 tents for the bargain price of £10. Uh, so I'll certainly be picking up one of those in the new year. Actually, it seems like lots of companies are running offers at the moment and sales through into the new year, so why not go ahead and treat yourself and replenish the to-do pile to see you through the remaining winter months and into the spring. Okay, that's enough of me wittering on. You're here to listen to Pear. Let's talk about sex. Okay, um, this is episode 40 of God's Own Scale. Some thought this may never happen, but here we are at episode 40. And it's very fitting um, that the guest I have with me today is my first guest on the podcast who was with me for episode one which is still getting a surprising number of downloads uh, and that really heartens the soul that there are still people out there wanting to listen uh, to what we ramble about and, and witter on about from time to time but I've got Mr. Pear Broden back with me. How are you Pear? I'm very well. Thanks for inviting me again. It's uh, episode 40 I think you told me Yeah, yeah. a minute ago. That's That's quite a quite a lot actually in in what seems to like to being yesterday it's a few years now yeah well exactly yeah. it was it was just after the uh, uh joy of six 2019 when we first spoke 
um, on, on episode one. Um, and it does feel like a lifetime ago because obviously that during that period we've had uh, a global pandemic and, and various other bits and pieces that uh, have interrupted real life. But I couldn't think of a better guest to get on for such a milestone podcast. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for that. And actually on that 2019 uh, Joy of Six that we did talk about, uh, we actually put out the Poltava battle for the first time. And uh, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later because we actually put it on, uh, uh, you know, in a live environment this year as well at Salute. But maybe you'll ask about me that later. Anyway, thanks for inviting me. It's been a it's been another interesting year, yeah. I mean, last time we spoke was the end of last year, wasn't it? With uh, where we had that little Christmas uh, with Dan and Alex. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was we fun. Did. It was. It was fun. It was chaotic, and it was very yeah. interesting to edit. But th this yeah, is. This yeah. is I, I imagine this episode is more like uh, sort of a Bing Crosby and David Bowie kind of by the fireside <laughs> wearing comfortable cardigans as opposed I, I, to the rock and roll style episode that we recorded last time. Yeah, exactly. I just feel so a little bit. Actually, no, I watched it the other day. I showed my son this, this, uh, or whatever they oh, say. Yes. Yeah. It's quite nice. And, and, uh, I feel so distant as well. Yeah. So it's been, it's been an interesting time the last year, actually, I, I think there's been a lot of happening, you know, hobby front, yeah, you know, all yeah. kind of scales actually I've been working on, uh, uh, you know, not just six mil, but uh, you know, twenty eight mil. So you've been uh, keeping yourself busy, pair. Yes, it's been busy, but I mean, you know, it, it it's still working very much working environment where we have until recently we encouraged to do some work in offices, but really uh, we we have the ability to work from home, which saves a little bit of time and so on. It gives you a little more hobby time. All the work have been quite hectic or challenging at times this year but it's you know the the more it is so the more you need your hobby i think uh, to kind of chill out with although it's difficult sometimes to find the time but as you know i have this ability perhaps to sometimes target and focus and kind of get on with it and give myself a certain amount of time to do a project rather than yes. you know try to do you know so people give themselves minutes a day and so on i give myself targets a day yeah, uh, when I do my hobby, which kind of works better for me. So just thought about if I have a half an hour sitting down, I'll probably fall asleep at the end. But if I know I have to do five things, then I'll get on with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an interesting one, actually. Project management is, is certainly something that we can have a little chat about. But I think we actually last chatted around about the virtual Joy of Six, where uh, you hosted uh, a session, I think, didn't you, uh, when Peter ran the the virtual version of Joy of Six. Yeah, that was really an uh, interesting concept, actually. And, and it was I felt it was successful, although it was it's very difficult, again, to feel how something works when you're kind of working, because I was part of the panel, I then presented the game, and I also had a presentation as well about the charity project. So you're kind of just sitting, getting on with things all the time. So I didn't get any feel for what, what it was on the other side of any of the parts. I have no time to meet up with some friends who were there etc and so on mm. but but it was interesting i mean the, the the key thing there was that I, I there was two things i wanted to do and one was to show the lund 1676 battle uh, and what was interesting with that was that i actually ended up doing a, a video for it as well so there is yeah. now a roller one <laughs> 
a YouTube account. There's two videos <laughs> on it, so uh, I'm not sure if I would call it a YouTube channel or a place where I put the two pathetic <laughs> videos I made. Although I have to admit that the Lund one, I'm very happy with it, and it's actually worth a look if you kind of want to see and understand some of the Battle of Lund. Uh, I think did a nice job, and my daughter uh, Alexandra helped me edit it and and film some sequences. And I think, you know, it, it's actually it was it was a fun experience, and I'm, it puts a little bit of perspective. You know, people like uh, Storm of Steel, for example, who who does produces these videos on an ongoing basis. You know, uh, how, what kind of work there is involved of actually doing that, because you kind of think a little bit, oh, maybe I'll start doing a. A YouTube channel but it's a hard work you know I'm kind of I prefer doing my blog which I'm still running you know I can kind of write things every now and then I don't need to worry about whether I kind of you know shaved or cut my hair for the for the session you know just get on with it but but that's that's kind of that was interesting and uh, and I think also it was great to have a joy of six again because obviously we actually ended up having a uh, 2021 there wasn't one at 2020 as, as we all know and you know uh, why that was, but uh, it felt at least to connect back to and, and get back to the enthusiasm. And there was a lot of people and interest afterwards, you know, both during the show and after the show. Uh, so, so I thought that was great. Uh, and the other thing, unfortunately, was that uh, me and Nick Doro, we wanted to take the charity project, which basically, in a summary, was that during lockdown, we painted with well, 50 painters who painted a base of six millimeter each. And it's a whole podcast you you run about that earlier, and again on on if you put in the show notes, I can give the links to that charity project. But uh, and there's a video about that as well. There's only two videos uh, available, so to speak. But it talks about it, and we wanted to take that to present it as a game with those miniatures to salute, because the idea is to get rid of this. I mean, I still have those miniatures, and I I really want to get rid of them, but to some kind of benefit for. Uh, for charity to sell them off yeah so we thought if we could stir up a little bit of interest so we have the idea was uh, that we got a from geek villain who produces a battle mat they gifted a, a mat for the project as well and what i was going to do at the beginning of this year and i i will do it but to reach out to six millimeter manufacturers out there to ask uh, whether they could contribute some terrain to the project uh, and well, I'll, I'll take the opportunity now to say that that if you're interested in in exposing yourself, <laughs> your company, <laughs> sorry, uh, to to and and of course you can do that as well. I'm quite open and liberal, so that's fine. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if the war game, war gaming public's quite ready for that. No, no, no. Well, exactly. But but if it is for charity, you can send whatever pictures yes. you want. Yeah, but yeah, but. Yeah. But, but joke aside, I, the key is really that uh, what I thought is that the 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 winner of this charity event or the raffle we will have, we'll basically win two sets of armies. We also have written up a background and also there'll be a rule book. Sorry, uh, the rules will go with it as well. And we've written up how to deal with these soldiers in terms of some names for the regiments, etc. Uh, and we talked to Geek Villain and basically within, within a sentence, they agreed to give us a mat and basically so the idea would be that you would basically win ideally everything you need to just start a game you know so the miniatures being done you get a terrain mat 
maybe a little bit of villages, roads, um, etc. Depending a little bit what is gifted, I mean, I could throw in a little bit of my own efforts, but it would be nicer to, to enable someone who perhaps makes a living of selling into the six millimeter market to to say that they were part of this project. I mean, if I were, I would I would do it. But of course, I'm biased and think it's a good idea. But there, it has some reach and a lot of people in the six millimeter kind of community is aware about it. So for me, if it costs you a few buildings or a, some roads or a little bit of a forest, uh, you know, kind of seems a stupid thing not to join it, you know. I, even if it doesn't give you any benefit, maybe a good idea to support something. But 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 that is, again, you know, in the show notes about the charity project. So what I'm saying is that if someone's listening to this who is has some power uh, in the sense of over a six millimeter company or manufacturer and something, they want to contribute something. So Fortunately, we have all the miniatures done, they are painted, and we have a battle mat already. But anything else that you think could work in a kind of 18th century set setting, uh, trees seem to be a little bit, not so perennial, but actually a little bit uh, period unrelated, for example, and roads, etc., bridges or houses, then then please contact me and, and see how you can help. And I'll make sure that your... Uh, company names being shouted just as i did about geek villain just now and, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, that's fantastic pair and i'll certainly put that into the show notes and i think um for the show going forward through until when the auction takes place then we'll we'll have a shout out for the sh on each show i think just to keep it fresh in people's memories and I, I know that you you'll do it through your own social media but yeah, what a fantastic effort that was, wasn't it, to get all of those figures done. And such a shame that uh, uh, you're not going to be able to show it uh, to the public as you planned. Well, we had to find another venue, I guess. So we just wanted to do a salute because it's the biggest uh, show in, in the land, so to speak. But, there are, you know, there are other shows, so we just have to rethink and so on. Salute was, was cancelled, uh, the April one, uh, that was due to happen in 2022. And it will now not happen at all in 2022. And and the reason of that is, you know, you can find online elsewhere, but it's mainly the fact that an extra salute was put on in just recently. And I think it's just the time it takes and the effort for the club. It's basically run by a by a war games club, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's the amount of volunteers and so on. And I, I kind of get it. You know, it's a shame, of course, that it's not happening. It's a war game show. We lo love going to them. But uh, it's not so much COVID-related, to more to the fact that it's quite a big thing to plan for, you know, what essentially are, you know, a, a kind of a non-profit business based on people who kind of actually, you know, are war gamers, you know. So, uh, so you know, good on that. Everything's been clear and upfront, and, you know, it's not like they're letting anyone down. But very quickly after, uh, made a decision and everyone been informed. You know, people might not like it, but that's the way it is, you know. Yeah, and I think I've seen somewhere online that it, they're essentially putting eight or nine months. It would be putting eight or nine months' work in, into four months. And these people are volunteers at the end of the day that are, are, are club members. This isn't a, a professional setup, albeit they, they are very professional in the way that they produce the show. Um, these are amateurs that, that run the show, so uh, they've got other lives and other commitments. So it's I think it's easily understandable that um, better not to rush it uh, and, and risk 
damaging the reputation of the show, I guess, and and leaving it for another twelve months as as much of a shame as it is that we won't get to go there. And uh, as to what is the biggest show in the in the country, so uh, that is a shame. But there will be other shows, if you, as you said, uh, not least of which, hopefully, hopefully, um, Jura Six in uh, in July twenty two. Um, but uh, that obviously COVID pandemic uh, depending. But uh, I think we can all cross our fingers that. Uh, yeah, that, I, 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 exactly. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. You know, with the shows next year. I, I think we're coming kind of, you know, to. You know, we have to be at the point soon, perhaps, where decisions are taken. We have a more kind of we we're learning to live with it and so on. And that might not be that we just you know stop and relax, you know, for whatever at a certain point in time. I think it's. You know, but but anyway, I, I, I you know slagging off whatever's been done or not done about COVID is getting a little bit uh, out of scope, I think here, and I think there's plenty of avenues for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elsewhere, you know, to, to me, the, anyway, I just get get irritated about certain things. But well, well, I'm let's just, not let, let's not irritate you anymore, Pear. Let's that's let's fair talk enough. about something. Let's talk about something really positive. Yeah. Uh, on the salute theme, then we've we've mentioned it already, but um, you went to salute in November, didn't you? The November yes, version, and uh, you took a little something longer here. Yes, I, I took my 16-foot Poltava battle to salute, and I've been to salute before with six-millimeter battles, uh, and and it's quite interesting, you know, because we had the first time I went, and that was perhaps my own inexperience about taking, te- you know, like I feel like the presentation we did and the kind of, uh, you know, although we were enthusiastic and so on, we perhaps didn't get the kind of footfall. So learned from that, and and you know, in terms of how you present the game and, you know, uh, using a lot of bedsheet covers for IKEA, you know, that I kind of put around my table to make it appealing, books, you know, and a lot of paraphernalia around it, you know, and a little bit of, uh, you know, pick up pick up some handouts, etc., and so on. And uh, we basically stood there, and when I first came, I brought my son with me, Max, and uh, the rules are that after you kind of... Uh, Sorry, during the actual, before when you do the setup, you're not allowed to have uh, children under 16 in the place. So Max had to kind of go and sit somewhere else, which is a little bit boring, because part of my plan was that he's helping me. And of course, I haven't read the invite properly, so it's all my fault, you know. But so when we kind of started putting our table up and so on, you know, so and, and then the show started and Max came back and then they came f- some quite official people and they said you know are you in charge of this game and I thought okay I'm going to be told off that I brought him in here in the morning but instead they gave me this little wooden plaque which says I think it says president's award or something like that or best game in show so that was quite enough to it wow (laughs) so I, I take it you weren't on the tube then with the 16 foot game no, I wasn't. So basically, we kind of learned now. We're quite, uh, you know, coming with the. You mean how to get there to the place? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's. I mean, London is local for me, so we kind of yeah. basically fill up the car and we drive up there and and uh, we kind of set it up. So it's quite quite easy to do. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good day, really good day because we had a lot of good uh, positive feedback during the day. 
And, you know, it's not the only award that is given there. So it was kind of a little bit of confusion, perhaps, because someone said to me, I hadn't won the award. And I said, well, I got a bloody plaque that says President <laughs> Award afterwards. There's obviously another kind of award as well. So yeah, we got that straightened out. I guess someone was a little bit confused how a non-28 millimeter game could have won a prize. Yeah, I know. It's, it's yeah. an absolute miracle. I mean, it's Christmas where miracles yeah. happen, but um, it's a, it's a miracle, isn't it? I mean, how on earth? They picked a six mil game. Exactly, something so small you could hardly see it. You know, exactly. so it's kind of like, well, what was going on on that table? Well, good, God knows what. Yeah, exactly. Even but, though it was sixteen foot worth of absolute gorgeous terrain and figures. Yeah, but also, but also the fact that I guess the fact was that there were perhaps a little bit less tables than normally due to COVID. So that's why, you know, I could win a little bit like Hendrik Larsson used to get the, get crap about the fact that he was playing in Celtic that the Scottish first division wasn't as powerful as the one down here where i live but uh, anyway uh, you can only beat who's in front of you absolutely i'm, I'm just joking but but sure. it was what i'm saying is that i did not expect it at all yeah, yeah. that was my point i know that it's it's pretty damn good you know that poltava six millimeter table is you know i spent a lot of time i wouldn't do it in the purpose of making it you know a crap table but it's always based on you know you know, if you if you if you play classical music in a death metal kind of concert as a startup act, maybe you not get do not get as appreciative. But it shows to me that we'll take in a little bit of step with this, and there are some changes, and obviously it's it's kind of groundbreaking. But but I think because I always done like this that I don't I don't do six millimeter for the sake of six millimeter. I want to tell a story. I want to portray a picture of something, and. Uh, I'm not, you know, contrary to some belief, I, I'm not a six millimeter one trick pony person. I, I love six millimeter scale for the purpose that, you know, where you can use it and so on, but to kind of then switch off any other kind of form of expressing yourself in this hobby, I think it's just perhaps naive and stupid. Uh, you know, I'm only doing six millimeter. And as you know, you know, this kind of argument people have, oh, it's too expensive to buy terrain. Or whatever in a different scale I, i'm not buying that you know at all it's not it, it's just kind of it's just poor thinking personally i think but that's just my view i'm not saying someone is an idiot or deserves to be challenged or you know humiliated publicly because they think so but i'm just giving my view that you know and and that goes both ways you know i don't necessarily people oh i'm a 28 millimeter player only or i'm a six millimeter player only i just find those kind of boring <laughs> boring uh, attitudes because it limits you a lot you know a little bit like a teenager who only listens to synth pop and will not listen to any other form of expression in music it's very limiting you know i've been in those kind of shoes myself although i wouldn't of course never listen to synth pop but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get that clear straight but, yeah well exactly exactly yeah. but anyway so so it was great and and to be honest you know i'm trying to play it down i was absolutely ecstatic and happy inside but i'm swedish and scandinavian and just like over here because i guess that's what we norsemen left behind us we really don't say much pleasantries to each other you know if you get you know in that sense you know it's it's seen as They're a little too little... excited about these things exactly exactly yeah. but but i was really happy yeah and uh, it, it was good time and and you know in that sense and uh, then of course then you know uh, it's then time to 
to pack pack up and, and kind of go home. But it was nice to have that plaque. I actually put it up on my wall in my little hobby room. Next to another thing this year uh, was that there's something called that Little Wars TV are running their uh, Caesar Awards. And uh, basically, uh, it was uh, Alex uh, at uh, Storm of Steel who told me that I've been nominated for the blog of 2021. So I poured myself a, a glass of champagne, as we do in, in Roller One headquarters, and, and watched this show and thought, what is this all about? I had no idea. And uh, they read out my name. And uh, a few weeks after, I got sent this little medal. It's basically Caesar. Uh, and it says 2021 on it, and it's kind of with a purple, whatever it's called, that holds the medal. Uh, and that was really nice. So this year, actually, it's been kind of a little bit like, uh, on a hobby front, a little bit warming. And, you know, we all need a little bit of a tap on the shoulder, you know. And uh, I thought that was nice too, you know. Well, um, I, I've been surrounded by uh, Caesar Award winners with... Uh, I spoke to Alex uh, yeah. not long ago, uh, who won, uh, for, I think it's for one of his painting videos. Um, and obviously the Two Fat Lardies won as well. I think this side of the ocean, I won't, I won't say Britain, but uh, this side of the ocean was well represented in the winners uh, of the inaugural Caesar Awards. And I know that there's nominations out now, actually, uh, for this year's Caesars. So uh, who knows, you might get another medal alongside the uh, the one that you've already got now uh, uh, you know you have a chance actually to nominate that those two excellent videos i've done yeah for the, yes. the travel of the year i'm joking <laughs> i'm really joking on that so i, I well, you never know you might be surprised pair you might be yeah surprised. well that would be really because i'm not a youtube channel no but no. Uh, and my i would really love to see uh, storm of steel maybe getting a different than for the painting video, which is great, but for overall channel, you know, in terms of serving at least a part of the Wargames community that I'm, you know, interested in. I think Alex done a tremendous job on, on you know, as a YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, it's it, his channel has kind of grown, but also I think it's consistent and he delivers, you know, and, and you know, it's it's uh, it's amazing amount of work that he does. You know, and and yes, you know, I'm a mate of a mate of his. You know, like a wargaming friend and so on. But uh, doesn't mean that what he does is isn't any, uh, you know, as as good as anything else out there. I'm just saying it because I, I'm quite impressed with his output. And of course, I mean, you, you mentioned the two fat ladies. I mean, they were the winners just based on their uh, advent advent calendar this year. To be honest, to yes, get some yeah, kind of prize. Good. But also, don't underestimate yourself, mate. You know, I think you were up running for for last year, a runner-up. Yeah, you and Henry, and and maybe you guys, maybe it's your time this year. Okay. Well, maybe, but uh, that my output has been limited this well, second half of the year. So, but uh, it was very nice to be nominated and and to be mentioned because there are a lot of of very good hobby podcasts out there, and I, I'm a consumer uh, as much as anybody. So. Uh, it, it's just good to see such a variety of uh, different hobby podcasts out there. And I, I echo exactly what you've just said there with the two fat lordies and their advent calendar has been brilliant. And Alex's input, uh, oh, sorry, output has, has been tremendous. And 
you've you've hit the nail on the head there with the consistency part. That he's he's yeah. week in week out. There's there's content being released. So hats uh, uh, off to him. Uh, and also uh, another podcast of us, if of course the Yorkshire, yes, Wargamer podcast as well has been different, uh, and you know in the sense that it it has added something to it. You know, it's not yes. another podcast, but actually, it's something that added to it a, a different. You know, uh, I like the take. You know, it's it's a little bit cheeky, confrontational, confrontational perhaps to some who doesn't get it. Yeah, and that just makes it more interesting. No, uh, so I, I agree. I agree. And uh, but maybe it's because I'm kind of I, I tend you know to to take things for what they are and enjoy them rather than looking for what I might kind of you know get in you know perceive one way or another. I I think is tongue in cheek and brilliant. So well done to that one as well. Yes, well done, Ken. It's um. It's quite a topical point that you've raised there that these podcasts should just be taken for what they're intended to be and, and nothing more. I think that these are these are amateur productions by amateurs that uh, just want no, to no, it is not so much there. that. I mean, because I think the production is good. What I mean more is the fact that I have I have noticed in the last year or so that the, it's coming creepingly closer in my circle. This kind of where where we kind of there are some conflicts brewing up here and there, you know, and uh, it, it's it's kind of, I always kind of stay out of it. It doesn't mean that I'm kind of don't have views about this and that, but I, and, and of course, you know, if, if, if someone were kind of, I wouldn't engage with certain individuals, you know, on some spectrum and so on, but I, I'm, I'm trying to kind of, uh, I'm trying to be, be sensitive in what I say and what I do. But I'm I'm trying it not to inform me too much in 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 what I think if if I don't agree with it you know so I, I'm not trying to please everyone necessarily on purpose but I don't want to necessarily go out and find problems and it scares me sometimes you know if the fact that you know people following me you know can I actively kind of do something I I have a few followers on on Twitter you know if one of them happens to be some radical person on the life right or left you know who might have done this and that you know do i then endorse them by the fact that i don't actively go through these people and kind of you know block them or whatever you know and i'm kind of feeling perhaps that that's a little bit unfair to some degree to you know i'm not sure if bill bailey is treated like that that you know if, if uh you know some neo-nazi follows bill bailey if you have i don't know maybe has million followers whether that means that bill bailey then should be seen to be but it seems like this can potentially be an issue in a smaller you know when you're a small person in this world like myself or so someone yeah. that has you know that you have well, to it's a smaller community as well isn't it well that's right? what i mean but i'm kind yeah. of like you know that that's you know, am I too kind of middle-aged and, and, you know, privileged or whatever to say that I'm not actually looking for it? That's the worry I have. I mean, my, so for me, always my kind of, kind of sensibilities have been based on that. I have, you know, teenagers, you know, have basically, you know, teach me what the new world is, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I appreciate a lot of it. And I think, you know, I'm trying to avoid not being my parents when I kind of, you know, I wouldn't refer to people as, you know, certain particles of snow or whatever just because yes. they thought things differently than me but doesn't mean that i'm kind of rolling over for everything yeah but anyway yeah. it's just it's just something i kind of noticed in my little corner and and so on 
Well, I, I think certainly in the social media that we occupy, the social the social media space we occupy, um, certain voices get heard, don't they, and and paid attention to, and it tends to be the content creators. So, like yourself, like the two fat lord is, like Alex, uh, and to a, a lesser extent myself, um, words that you put out on Twitter. Uh, can easily be misinterpreted or people might view your own social media output and think well this guy's being followed by some radical person whichever end of the spectrum they're on and are they therefore endorsing this person so it's it's a very tricky space and well yeah uh, it's it's it, exactly and it's it's kind of assumes that although i put quite you know reasonable amount on twitter it's basically when i do my hobby time and actually that hobby time isn't necessarily as extensive you know and if i then had to kind of try to administer that and see or if someone i interact even if someone says something about something i do i might you know talk to them i'm not necessarily checking their profile out and checking you know back on their kind of postal history and kind of endorsing it so that's why i am worried about the fact that you know if you suddenly then end up being seen as and, and so on. But on the other hand, uh, maybe I, I don't understand that and maybe there are reasons for it. I'm not belittling it, that activity, but I'm just saying I don't have the time or the means or to be quite honest, necessarily the interest of, of doing that. You know, I wish I had more time and, and I could be seen as, you know, and here are all aspects of my life, you know, that that would be great. You know, that's, that's my intention. But, you know, anyway, so the... So, so from that uh, salute experience, and one of the things I just wanted to highlight from salute because it it kind of uh, was was noted because uh, Wargame Soldiers and Strategy did a little podcast after the show, and it was uh, Chris King who was there with Guy, and Chris mentioned uh, on the podcast that he noted that I was giving away miniatures to. To children, basically, uh, and and the the reason for that is, and I, I've done this on a few other shows as well, is that I end up with getting a little bit of spare miniatures every now and then, and and I don't. This doesn't mean that I will do this all the time, but I realized I painted about twenty bases more or something like that than I needed for the Poltava project when I did the inventory. Uh, which sounds like a little bit stupid, but that kind of indicates about. Uh, 2,000, uh, what is it, 100 times 20? Yeah, that's 2,000 miniatures that I... No, sorry, it's not 2,500, whatever it is, uh, that I basically didn't didn't need, and I based 24 on each base. Uh, and uh, and then I also had uh, some dragoons left over, and I, had to, I took those with me, and basically what I said to myself before we started is any dad or mom that came with their children... And they actually stopped and looked at the table and engaged with it in the terms of just looking at it rather than passing by. I would basically go and talk to the child directly, you know, and then uh, I would ask them something and then we'll basically give them a base until I run out of bases, yeah. And uh, the reason for that was that I used to take Max, my son, and also my daughter before then, but not so much... As I have taken Max to the shows because he's perhaps more interested than 
my daughter was uh, and my older daughter it was a little bit at the uh, at, she was a little bit too old perhaps to go with dad to something when i picked up the hobby again but we used to go to shows and uh, very often the, the kind of treatment that he would get or she would get you know when they are you know basically some people looking with fear and scare of children when they come to the table even a few situations where people have said something you know in the sense of you know almost treating these people i mean a war game a son or daughter they know that they're not going to treat miniatures in a certain way it's not like we are at home and then by luck you know my collection survives every day because you know my my child has been kind of put in some kind of cage or something or, or you know whatever uh, but the fact is that of course you know they're fully aware what to do or not to do and you don't need to be terrified when a child comes to your table that they're going to destroy it yeah and it was just the fact that on the occasions and there are a lot of war gamers out there who present tables who actually are very very uh, you know accommodating for when you have children with you yeah and they will engage with you and so on. And it's just that kind of difference when you come as a dad and you, you walk around for various reasons. It might be because your children are interested. It might be that your children are your responsibility that day or whatever people say, you know. Uh, although I, I hate the expression of babysitting your own children. I spend time with my old children. I babysit maybe someone else's children. But I don't babysit my own children. It's part of my job, mate. Anyway. But... Uh, it's when when they walk around, but actually that you engage with the child as well. It makes it easier for the for the parent, uh, you know. And and you know, let's be honest about it. This is you know, ninety five percent they are usually a dad taking their son or daughter to these shows. Yeah, so they are they are you know, at the moment there are more and more ladies coming. You know, but very rarely on their own at the moment. And I hope we'll see more of that. But it's basically to start talking with the child a little bit about wargaming as a hobby and so on. And I hope that some of those spaces that I gave away, you know, are put somewhere, maybe on a shelf somewhere, and they look at it, and maybe that kind of brings them some kind of joy and maybe kind of instill some kind of interest further in the hobby than just being something that dad does, you know, or mom does. And I think that that's that was a kind of big thing of that. And that's something I just want to, you know, it's good to do and nice to do, and it was good that it gets kind of noticed and mentioned in in that podcast as well. Because for me, it's kind of it's it's kind of natural to engage and talk about them, explain perhaps what's going on in a in a very naive way, you know, in the sense, but just so a child understands. But actually, you realise that a lot of these children actually know more than you think, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think they're certainly able to take on board more information than perhaps. We credit. I think what a wonderful initiative to to do that because you never know that that one of those kids might have then took the sleeve of his father or of his mother and said, "Can we go along to the backer stand and buy some more figures, or go home onto the backer's website and order some uh, more great Northern War figures?" So yeah, exactly. Um, or, or actually know that, idea. or think you know that actually this is a place where I'm welcome, you know, and yes. and basically yes, and and not another place because for for me it's a great as we all know but it's a great hobby and it's great to engage your children in it you know and and uh you know in painting because it's such a wide variety of of things and i'm, I'm i have a lot of friends you know who 
and my son as well you know they they play a lot of computer games and and there is a certain level of engagement and action and reaction and interface and all that stuff but it's just the fact that you know at the end of the day you kind of there's something kind of left behind after you you know into some sense and you actually produce something and you can actually share and show it and i know that yes you can share a minecraft world you have built or whatever uh, it just doesn't feel as physical to me, uh, or, or perhaps as real. But you know, may, maybe maybe it is. But to me, it's it, it's it's that, and trying to get you know them involved in in whatever way they are. And and talking about that, I can't help thinking about one of for me one of the saddest things this year, which is the fact that uh, Mike Hobbs is no longer with us, and uh, because. I think I had the I had the the luck of you know learning how to sort of well basically become a friend of Mike uh, during his you know not just knowing him from a lot of the output he did at Meeples etc and so on but which is kind of first but actually engaging with him in a different way and and especially during lockdown and set up this painting club that we're still running. Uh, on on a Saturday basis, you know, which a collection of us, I don't know how many we are in total, but there's maybe up to 20 people that uh, were kind of all invited by Mike, and Mike used to kind of run this, and we have a little chat, you know, on Saturdays, uh, and uh, and I think I think that's one of the kind of key things for me this year that happened because. Uh, Mike was very much kind of engaging and involving people in this wider hobby that it isn't kind of, you know, the fact that, you know, but if you can show that we're all kind of welcoming each other, you know, whatever age and whatever ways we express ourselves in this hobby, whether it's six mil or 28 mil, that that is really that that legacy and that has been strengthened to me this year, you know, not being kind of a one trick pony sitting there in your own thing, but actually thinking that if you want someone to come into your corner of the hobby, then kind of encourage the hobby at all levels because you'll see as a nice person. Maybe someone want to actually play that, you know, Scandinavian neo post apocalyptic kind of uh, skirmish game where you swap heads, you know, with you put dog heads or whatever on it. That basically you might find someone else out there who thinks you're a nice guy, and maybe even though I normally play Napoleonics, I might happily do that with you, mate. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing of it, and uh, that still is, you know. And and uh, you know, so so again, I mean, when we say kind of hobbies for everyone, that means for everyone. But it basically means that you know, let's not worry about anything else than just playing this game, you know, and trying yeah. to be good people to each other, you know. Yeah, it's an important thing, isn't it? And the the idea of being a good person and being inclusive. Um, it is hugely important to me um, and certainly to the people that I choose to play with and engage with. And um, absolutely power to your elbow uh, pair for that, that initiative that you, you took at salute with those figures. Let's just hope that we've, or you, let's hope that you've created uh, a future generation of. Well, not me. Whatever. I mean, there's so many people who create, so I, I don't want to say that I'm, you know, any, I'm just saying that, that was just me being inspired by others, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, 
my, you know, Mike, for example, and I mentioned him as a as a clear example. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, but there are other people, you know, and and you find the people who actually are custodian and champions of this. You know, take just the Lodi community, mm. for example, which yeah. you know, there's there is actually under you know all that stuff. There actually is a it's a very very welcoming environment that mm. you know anyone who goes into will will kind of notice you know people are very very open to do a lot of different explorations of things you know yeah and it's serious you know absolutely pair but you're the one on the call so I'm yeah 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 but i'm just saying that look i'm just kind of i'm just mimicking a little bit i'm in my own way rather than uh, and and also um there was also um uh, actually this year as well i another thing was interesting was that I commissioned some uh, command uh, six meter command miniatures by a company called Combat Miniatures uh, for my six no, uh, six millimeter Northern War as well. So I did one of Charles the Twelfth uh, after Poltava and so on. That was quite an interesting process to basically commission finally your own kind of six millimeter miniatures. Uh, and then uh, Peter just released actually at Salute the new six millimeter. Uh, Great Northern War range for the Swedes, which is really nice. Where they're actually attacking, uh, and that's probably what I will be working on. Some of that, uh, well, I bought so many, so it would be shame if I didn't do some work on them next year. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But I'm not really sure what I will do for Joy of Six, you know. So, so I feel to some degree that that Battle of Lund is such a nice little table. And because of it's built in elevation in in the map with these contours under and so on, that it would be a shame not taking it to somewhere. So I'm thinking of taking that uh, to Joy of Six, even though it's kind of been kind of uh, you know explored already in the virtual one. Or if we don't take that to try to do something with the, with those charity armies, but they obviously not. Uh, I, I really want to take it to not necessarily Joy of Six only because it's it's just a six millimeter kind of uh, show in that sense, but take it to a, to to a bigger show in the sense of getting more exposure for it to advertise the scale a bit more, I guess. Well, know. that as well, but also the the product itself because at the end of the day, we want to kind of basically have people getting uh, behind this raffle and and buy a few tickets, you know, and I'm yeah. kind of getting. I have a little target in my mind how much you can do it, but I'm just thinking people running a few, you know, kilometers or whatever can raise quite a lot of money. So I'm just thinking you got 50 painters sitting painting something that actually looks wonderful on the table and lasts forever. Shouldn't kind of just give a few hundred quid. So I'm just thinking, mm. you know, have to kind of uh, put put some kind of target to this, you know? Yes, definitely. Yeah. In that yeah. sense, but but we'll see. I'm not sure. So absolute, did you? You uh, pre-ordered some of the Great North, um, the Swedish, sorry, for the Great North War, the new uh, version. Yeah, so he, he brought them there. So he was selling them the first day. So I, I got, I, I, I have enough to, the thing is that because I've done most already, uh, I'm just trying to, I'm going to basically use the new ones that are in attacking poses to, to basically use them when after they march up to then swap the base or something like that and use the right. attacking version for them when they actually do attack, right. which is absolutely unnecessary. But look, <laughs> this is wargaming. <laughs> it's uh, nuts, pair, but I no, love no, it. 
yeah so and what i thought i'll do is to use deeper bases so you can spread them out so although they were allegedly running in a you know quite uniform way you know when they attack the enemy i always think that if you spread things out a little bit it looks a little bit cooler mm. so maybe have them in a little bit not perfectly aligned uh, line uh, attacking will look better as they're running aesthetically forward, yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, yeah so so but again when they're running forward they have pikes that are quite long etc so you have to kind of expand the base and make it bigger right yeah, uh, so i think it. that could work uh, i have another idea but i took that away at first i thought maybe i'll do a one-to-one -one scale 600 man battalion uh, on yeah. a base in six mil I, th I always wanted to do that but i'm uh i'm not sure i'll i'll do it this time but uh just to maybe. kind of see how it would look like you know maybe next year maybe next year or maybe the year after year. actually yes so um so lund is a possibility then for the jury of six because as you've said you you put the video up which was fantastic um uh for the virtual jury of six but obviously uh there's a big difference between seeing something on a youtube channel and actually seeing it in the flesh because uh that that period uh the scott is it the scanian war scanian war yes yeah it is uh it's a beautiful period isn't it to look at and the, the figures that peter produced for that were, were just gorgeous so i think to be able to see them in the flesh so to speak would be would be a great opportunity to get them out yeah for, for, that's what i wanted to do originally the reason i did learn was that i thought it's basically measured based on my my well our dining room table at home yeah so it uh, absolutely fits because it was designed on that surface so that it's about three foot by seven foot okay and i just wanted to kind of do because one of the things we always talk about with six mil is that you know it we can play on smaller areas and so on and and basically i'm probably the worst one for kind of being the one who kind of always puts on tables that are, I mean, last one was 16 feet, then I had 12 feet, and then 8 feet seemed to be my standard width. You know, I can't play most of my games at home, you know. I don't have the space, yeah. So, you know, I, I might have now if I take the, you know, but it, it's a little bit of an effort to set it up for me. So, so you know, unfortunately, or some people might say fortunately here because I'm taking my space anyway, uh, I don't have a dedicated room for Wargame, although I have two bedrooms for children who no longer move here, but they're, they're kind of a little bit uh, negotiation what happens with them. But but was the fact basically to present something on a dining room table. So, uh, so I took Lund and I, I kind of adjusted it to, to the scale it would take, and then I've used... A certain scale for the game based on that so lund isn't a massive battle you know in that sense uh it's perfect for 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 running it and then we changed a little bit we used uh twilight of the sun king rules which kind of are gone about because it's it's the rules that i i really enjoy it nick wrote them uh, who i have done these projects with as we said before and uh basically we we scaled it down and used it differently we then adjusted some of the rules because scorpion war is in a kind of a, a an interesting uh, period because basically the swedish army learns to fight again the way it used to do under gustavus adolphus uh, and uh, you know so basically at, 
they introduced what is called the Swedish manner of being, you know, attacking, uh, you know, cavalry and infantry. And, and we later then see, so, so my kind of period, if you wish, of, of, of choice, perhaps most people associate with me, apart from some, some weird Scandinavian post-apocalyptic stuff, I can't even say it, uh, is, is the Great Northern War. But the Scandinavian War is a little bit of the warm-up for it. Uh, and uh, it's it's the army that fights in the Great Northern War who needs to be shaking up as a consequence of the Scanian War. So Charles XI is basically his baptism on fire. He's very young and unexperienced when the when the Scanian War started, but makes him realize, and he's then almost paranoid. Uh, although academics will debate the term of of that, but and he then builds up the capability that then. Charles XII benefits from in the beginning of the war, you know, where basically we have a, a military system that is being strengthened that is not necessarily, you know, based in that era, but is being strengthened after that war. So basically, Sweden almost loses uh, the Scania, which is the southern province of today's Sweden. And that's where it's called the Scania War. It's a bigger war, but let's not get, get involved in too much of that. But the Battle of Lund has some interesting aspects. So the Swedish are very uh, uh, attacking. There's been given new orders in the morning, uh, you know, during this period uh, of, of, a, of being more attackful. But the Danish cavalry is using the caracol. It's this kind of, it must have looked really interesting on the battlefield, you know, uh, you, you ride with your pistol and you kind of shoot and you, you then kind of ride off and then you come back, you know, must have looked kind of almost pathetic, you know. To me, I, I always, you know, thought about it like that. And then similar, uh, the infantry being more defensive, focusing on fire uh, rather than attack. So you have like two armies uh, meeting each other. So it's almost like you have a an army that is more a 30 years war behavior on the Danish side against uh, a more kind of modern attacking army that's coming from the Swedish side. So, so it was interesting because we then made some modifications to the rules specifically for, you know, how we classify troops and so on. So it's interesting, again, in terms of the research that uh, one has to do for these battles, which I always find is is the paramount for it. You know, it it, it is painting the figures, it's doing the terrains, which I love. and But then, you know, to actually read those accounts and getting excited over finding a little small article, a little small passage that you can then say, but actually, how would that work? And then focus, for me, always about reading up on a battle. I try to see what kind of is mentioned, you know. Uh, for me, it's very often like if they mention a hill or they mention a lake or they mention a house or a building, you know, whatever, that you actually make sure that you can represent that on the battlefield, you know, in the way. So there can be, so you can potentially create the narrative so, for example, in Lund, there's something called the Windmill Hill. Uh, and, of course, you then have to want it to represent a hill. And, of course, you put a windmill on it. Yeah. So when someone would kind of look at your table and maybe read some of the accounts, they can kind of nod a little bit because they know that that windmill isn't there because it's a popular feature on a 18th century battlefield. But it's actually there because there's a place called that. And those are the kind of small... I wouldn't call them Easter eggs, but they are enhancers, you know, to your table that that's that kind of, you know, so someone can say, 
or the you know I learned I heard about the battle and it was like when we did Poltava for example they say that there is you know in the forest uh, there was few div- sorry battalion that were lost Swedish battalion and that's why if you look at the Poltava table I made this big bloody forest because I wanted someone to look at it and say okay I get it you know there's a big forest there so the fact that they get lost because when you read the accounts you're kind of thinking these guys kind of you know a battalion is like four to six hundred men and you have several of them getting lost in a bloody forest I mean how stupid are they yeah but actually it's it's kind of plausible but but it's back to this thing again of kind of you know when you present this battle and when I do it I, I actually know what happens on that field and I'm trying to kind of at the end of the day the way we present them or present the armies is actually based on quite thorough uh, research you know in that sense and and that to me is is really fantastic you know and and so between for example this time 2019 and 2021 I made a few subtle changes because I I read some further accounts on the table which of course can't be necessarily seen but I know it you know it's a little bit like when you've done your you know DIY at home and so on and everyone says it's brilliant but you know you kind of cheated a little bit and you know uh, actually it isn't as great as it seems so 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 that's that's that kind of thing so with Lund I would like to take it to Dura 6 and show people that look I can also do something small we actually kind of develop it actually it's a well-functioning battle I played it several times with Max and others and we get interesting outcomes and it's not kind of a given you know uh, for one side or the other and you have to kind of play on the fact so the Swedes although they have a very aggressive good thing is that they don't have enough infantry so they basically have to spread the second line which is important in this to have reinforcement in this period uh, it's actually very thin and it's it's mainly mounted units who are not really good at fighting infantry but it's just to create that illusion for it the Danes also exaggerate their strength by well indirectly by having some sailors which they basically Danish and Norwegians and a few other nation sailors that are being dressed up for the purpose of, of basically presenting some men on the field uh, which then unfortunately are not very good at fighting this kind of battles you know they might have been able seamen and good at other situations but unfortunately a lot of them die you know as a consequence it's kind of sad stories on it and and the, the saddest story with Lund is the fact, of course, that it is a lot of deaths. You know, there's more than 10,000 people that die. You know, it's, uh, uh, I think it's 25%, more than 25% deaths, you know, in the battle, you know, which is a tremendous high number. There's a book in, in Swedish that is called basically The Murder at Lund rather than The Battle. Uh, and uh, so I'm reflected a lot on that, you know, and actually... And this is a total tangent, but uh, w- one of the recent new rules is this uh, rule set about Napoleonic era uh, skirmish with a little bit of, um, you know, uh, how should we say, uh, a kind of horror elements of it. Oh, silver bayonet, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, to the point that when when that kind of came out I, I decided to do my version to be in Scania in 1677 just after this battle and thinking that the great evil that's risen in the area as the fact because what happened after the battle in it was in December 1676 was that as you 
could imagine in Sweden it's not that easy to dig, sorry, dig mass graves in December when it's very cold and especially it was much colder in those days. Although people say global warming didn't happen, but it's interesting to see how, how hard the summer was. So, sorry, the, the winter was in 1676. So actually they could not put those in in ground until, you know, early March. Uh, sorry, February and then early March. So you have this situation where you have 10,000 bodies lying around, you know, outside, you know, churches and hills or whatever for quite a long time because they put down. So I thought that would be a kind of some kind of root of some kind of evil in a in a kind of a, a fantasy kind of world and so on. That's a little side note, though. But it kind of you start thinking, you know, about this this whole period. Uh, and that, of course, led me to another tangent where I was going to paint kind of 20 or so miniatures, and I probably painted about 128 mil in Scanian War stuff as well. So I can probably in a position where I can do some of the skirmish battles in a different scale, which I, I find quite appealing. Yeah, uh, it's a different different look at it entirely, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I, I think sometimes you kind of, you know, certain stories, and that's why, so, so I'm not finished with that battle, and that's... A long-winded way of saying that I would like to probably take it to Joy of Six, because it's still because this I want to kind of have that encourage me to learn more about it and play a few more battles and we can take it there and I kind of know how it goes. It was also and uh, if you are interesting, go and watch that video and you'll see what I'm talking about because uh, when I grew up, my my father kind of quickly realized that if he told me about a battle I would kind of pay more interest than he told me about you know about rainbows or or other stuff for kind of bedtime stories so unfortunately kind of destroyed all kind of concept I guess of, of anything else than battle being exciting you know in in that sense but but this was one of his kind of stories and he told it well about the Battle of Lund so I, I kind of would like to to take it for another spin at some point uh, it is a you know, it's it's a interesting battle, interesting story, and not so well known. You know, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. So, um, you said you scaled that down to fit on your dining room table. So, what? How many figures or units are involved? Oh gosh, how many are they? Uh, I should know. Uh, there are maybe about maybe sixteen infantry bases on each side yeah sorry less on the swedish side because there are actually mounted bases and about uh maybe double that on on each kind of each flank of horse so, so that's quite interesting because that's that's an easily manageable amount isn't it for somebody who was perhaps new to the hobbing was inspired yeah. by seeing it because um as well as being able to put on these these grand spectacles of 16 foot or 12 foot tables to be able to show something that somebody who's walking through the doors of the joy of six for the first time and maybe would like to get inspired and get into a period and into the scale then that would be perfect wouldn't it a, a well that's start, what that, that, that's what i wanted to do but the truth is that you know and you know yourself you go to joy of six you will see a lot of the tables being like that and some amazing condensed battles as well in six mil, you know, over the years. And, and uh, so it's not like 
showing the way again. I just want to show that I can do it too, yeah. But 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 it's the fact that you go there. I mean, there are some tables that are even played on smaller than. I mean, three by seven is still quite an undertaking. The the key just is that it's a you know if you go to do some of the best games I've seen at Euro Six, I've actually been kind of some kind of three by three or two by two foots. You know, like there's there's some quite uh, amazing stuff. But but it is, and I think that's the kind of message as well. You know, so is the fact that you can scale things down, you know, and you can have tremendous games. And again, you know, it, it's back to this thing that putting up that, for me, that 16-foot table, and I love it, you know. I, I, <laughs> I have to admit, I love Big Battle as, as mo much as the Yorkshire Gamer, but sometimes you might not have uh, the, the time or the space, you know. So either you can kind of scale it down, so it's a big battle but small, or you can you know, play another kind of level of engagement, so to speak. And, you know, you can have quite interesting battles and still make it look, you know, like, like a proper engagement, of course, in the scale. That brings us down to some of the, some like uh, Mark Back, who's, uh, who's, who's doing his two millimeter stuff. Yes, with strength and honor. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, again, you know, it is, it is, another way of showing kind of battles and and the basis of his battles most of the battle he does they're not on very big tables at all but when you look at them you take that step back you think they're big tables but of course they're not you know because of the scale and they are very impressive you know and again if you if you want to have this you know can i see the detail here and take a close-up picture it, it, it will not look impressive because it is not you know, done like that. But actually, when you take that step back, you know, or, or when you sit and you just look down on it rather than necessarily lifting up a base, uh, you actually see something different. And, there, and, and you know, and I, I only meet a few people who can't see it, you know, but normally there are people that lack a little bit of imagination. So uh, for me, it is it's that picture, you know, you, you want to have. Now, I have to admit... And again, you know, Mark, Mark's rules, you can play in 6mm. And I intend to use 6mm for his rules because I have quite an extensive collection of ancient uh, Romans and, uh, you know, Punic War era uh, stuff. And that's how I want to use it. I have, I did two 6mm, sorry, 2mm armies. And I can use that for other things. But I, I want to use those miniatures for that. Uh, because for me, it is just I, I I kind of enjoy painting six mil more than I do doing the two millimeter stuff. Doesn't mean that I don't like what I see when it's done, but it just I just still have that kind of well, you know, making a, a certain uh, number of six mil is kind of makes me kind of really really happy. Uh, same as you know, sometimes in twenty eight mil, you know, I, I I have actually during lockdown taken more time to to paint an 8 mil. I used to kind of do it more stressful and, you know, feel like I needed to do a certain amount of out output, but actually enjoyed painting some of those again. And again, it's just finding kind of what, what you kind of want to work with and how, not necessarily always what is best looking on the table, but also what you can kind of work with as well. And what you, you know, there's certain people who might find it difficult to paint something so small, even though we think it's easy. Yeah, that might struggle with uh, 
with with eyesight uh, etc and there's no point painting if you if you want to suffer from doing it but yeah so i think i think for me that is one of the aspects of six mil you know is is you can do things smaller and it still look like a battle and and lund was perfect for that purpose because it still looks you know like a like a battle you know like uh, a big battle yeah like a big yeah. battle yeah yeah, yeah. Because the the number of figures that you, you're still talking about is, is quite substantial, isn't it? It's in the hundreds, certainly, if not the uh, over a thousand figures that you've got on the table. So um, when you sort of zoom into it and and look at it at that sort of ground level, that, that that's where the impact for me comes with six mil. And I've talked about this before that I talk about these classic paintings that you see of 18th century battles where you might have the, a, a few generals in the foreground and somebody wounded on the floor at, at the foot of the general and a, a discarded drum. But behind them is this roiling battle that's these two battle lines that are, are clashing. And that's that's the effect that I always enjoy seeing when I see a big, well-presented six mil battle. And you're right, I think with Mark Mark's two mil stuff that he's done where he's actually sculpted these things out of putty himself. Um, they look incredible, don't they, on the table? Yeah, and and what what is nice is that there are now several uh, alternative producers that are doing it. So you can you can buy them from war bases, and then I I probably get this wrong, but it's called Corhill Miniatures. I think it's an Italian company who who basically does he he's uh, very similar to Mark's stuff. The uh, war base is a little bit different, uh, but but again, it's the same principle. And then I think it's uh. Is it Project Wargaming who does two mil? Yes, yes, well? Aaron, yeah. So that's again. So you can kind of there's several options how to do it, and of course you could do what Mark is doing, doing it himself, or you could go with the two millimeters that existed there for for eternity with the irregular miniatures. Yeah, and I I did my when I first started, I bought uh, a lot from irregular, and I used those for the ones I've done. To be honest, I, I really enjoy that. They look great, you know, for it, you know, as well. Uh, they're a little bit uh, less the dense formation you get. So the way kind of Mark does it is is basically like bigger blocks, you know, and uh, while well, the there are strips that you get from Irregular. But it's a different look to it and, and so on. But I think that's great because it's kind of created a – it's not like 2 millimeter was new – but I think that a lot of two millimeter battles we have seen in the past have been, you know, like a little kind of a 10 by 20 mil uh, base with maybe one or two of these strips on. But what Mark is doing is kind of massive bases, you know, much bigger bases than we would normally use uh, normal miniatures on. Uh, but with this kind of dense, and that's what creates the effect. So it's definitely not kind of scaled down in that sense. But still, you know, you just need a certain number of these to actually uh, present that picture. And I, I, I'm really happy, you know, the fact that because I remember he started it and then, you know, it's been picked up by the two fat lardies. And, you know, Mark's done a lot of work and now, you know, it's coming out, I think, imminently. But the fact is that, you know, what could be better that you have one you know, one of the biggest kind of companies in the, you know, I would say when it comes to bases and stuff, you know, war bases, and then actually having a company basically 
based on doing miniatures that are very similar to what you do. So it's kind of created a little bit of a a bus, if not a new industry, but a kind of a corner of bus. And I think that's great. You know, I mean, who could say they have done that? You know. Yeah, and I I don't know if you've seen the cover that uh, has been produced. Uh, Pear, yes, but it's, it's absolutely splendid. It's uh, it's uh, very inspiring, and I can't wait for that to get released. Hopefully at some point in the new year. And, so. and, and I, I've had the pleasure of seeing that and also playing games, you know, already with it. And, yeah, you know, they, they were solid set when I played it and I was well kind of maybe halfway through the play test. Uh, uh, and uh, so, I, I, you know, you know, you, you have to make your own decision, but I'm definitely buying a copy as soon as it comes out. Oh, absolutely. It'll be on in my shopping list. Most definitely. Um, what else have you been up to then for the rest of the year, Pear? Because uh, as we record, it's three days before Christmas. Yeah. New Year's coming, but uh, have, you, have you filled the year with anything else? Oh, yes, I have. So I bought a 3D printer beginning of the year. Uh, and I printed quite a lot at the beginning of the year. And I haven't printed a lot at all recently. It's not that I've gone off it, but I basically ended up printing so much I kind of realized that if I continue like this and I'm not actually painting away anything of this I'm just creating basically a uh, because it's basically miniatures or, or terrain or whatever on demand and why should I sit and print and print out stuff and just basically build a mountain that I can kind of create anyway in a weekend when I do actually do it so what I've taken the decision is that if I'm going to do something I actually intend to paint it you know, do something with it, I'll print it, yeah? I'm not going to just, you know, benefit some resin producer and produce another, you know, resin mountain rather than a lead mountain I have. And actually, it's now become a better tool for me in doing that. So I have a lot of crap I printed out because what happens is that you have this whole world with Thingiverse, with files, and suddenly realize, oh, I always wanted a Japanese kind of style wall you know that i could put out when i play japanese kind of 15 millimeter games and i produced this kind of temple areas etc and so on and i printed it all out and i realized i haven't yet painted those bloody 15 millimeter all this japanese stuff i had yeah samurais or whatever so so yes i had a little bit of a kind of an overkill of printing and so on i'm not slagging it off i'm just saying that i was as as a little puppy you know <laughs> Very excited. Off, so excited running off. But then you just end up with this pile of, of uh, unpainted resin. I already have a uh, pile of unpainted stuff. So to me, the best thing that happened in, in 2018 on the hobby front was that I got one because I now have the ability to print certain things which are difficult to get anyway. Uh, you know, so for example, uh, and and another thing I've done, and perhaps which will be more important next year, but this year, it's done a lot of work on my 1943 what if invasion of Sweden, and I happen to use the 15 mil for that scale because I think that works uh, worked for what I wanted to do, basically creating the 1940s Sweden. This is a what if invasion, what if invasion of the German from the Norwegian side. Uh, passing through my home county where I was grown up, so this is very much the uh, Sweden, uh, mid Sweden, with uh, red houses with white trimmings, uh, and uh, 
a very kind of uh, rural area where the idea is that you have the German Wehrmacht, the Panzer Division, and a mechanized uh, infantry division rolling through, which kind of uh, it's a little bit of, of a passion project of mine. And I, I spent a lot of time this year. So during ter during uh, October, there was this Terrain Tober challenge. I painted, sorry, I did uh, 31 blog posts of a different piece of terrain every day. There was basically a clutter, and clutter I define as not necessarily a terrain that that is important for the battle, but something that kind of enhances the look of the table. Yeah, so there could be a little piece of, you know, some washing a washing line with some clothes or a hay bale or a, uh, you know, something like that that added to the table. The kind of stuff that you would see on a chain of command table that uh, Two Fat Lard is put on yeah. the show. Immersion tokens, I think. Exactly, I, I call them immersion tokens. That's spot on the name for them. And uh, so I've been doing that, and then there were for certain parts of that I've used printer, so uh, to do certain things that I kind of either couldn't do myself, although I'm kind of has reignited that spirit of basically taking some coffee stirs and building whatever you like, you know, rather than than always kind of printing or buying it is perhaps not. It's not fun. So I've been doing that 1943 table. Uh, we're starting our playtesting a few scenarios for that. Uh, the idea is to do some kind of uh, selection of scenarios for that 1943. Uh, inspired by kind of three things, really. First is that the producers have been quite popular, some of these terrain books recently, where they take a theater, be it kind of, uh, you know, maybe Battle of the Bulge, or there's been like Norway, or there's been, you know, and it's presented some nice pictures and how you do it. And then crossing it with something like the Pint Size campaigns that the two fat lardies do. Uh, and basically, I'm, I'm basically working on a kind of a module that basically makes this passion of mine into a, a little bit of a, of a book that uh, describes how you could do an alternative invasion of Sweden 1943, which of course is widely anticipated and expected in the market and might be four or five people actually interested in it. But but it isn't it's not done for that purpose. It's, it's more done for the fact. So uh, next year we're going to form out a few scenarios to, to some people I know to test them. So I played, we started playing with Des Darken, who's, on uh, Twitter as well, and um, Ian Fuller to test some of these things. Uh, unfortunately, due to some COVID issues, both uh, Des and Ian's been affected by COVID recently. We haven't been able to finalize those play tests, and I hope you guys are are recovering well. You you were, but when I last checked earlier today, so uh, so so that's interesting because that's kind of pushing that project forward. Because really, I've had a lot in my head. And develop these things and and basically so that's a little bit of a project that will keep me going next year uh, there is actually a six millimeter project as well in there in the back of this which is the the the, the situation in holstein in 1700 at the start of the great northern war uh, this is basically where where denmark goes into holstein as a little bit of a aggressive act as the first part of the war before the swedes then later on pacifies the Danes and and this is looking at exploring that perhaps the conflict there could have expanded to like a big bigger battle, 
the reason it's interesting is that there are a lot of small principalities in the area uh, as we as we know you know this this part of of Europe were just these small counties and they kind of uh, you know very small countries if you wish in in effect of sovereign kind of rulers etc uh, and it, it's basically so many different factions you know in the different armies that would fight there so it just makes it interesting and I painted kind of almost like in the background most of the things I need for that and it's quite extensive project in the end so so I'm, I've been doing that and I'm going to continue that uh, so so that's been cool but but then it's a little bit because we have uh, me and Max my son we we played a lot of the kind of mainstream stuff that's coming out as well so we've done Stargrave we done we started on a five parsec campaign which is the this kind of uh how should we call them the kind of light rpgs more campaign driven uh, yeah. game is that an uh, osprey publication or no it, it's it, it's uh modifus oh yes yes uh and uh that five parsec it's it's really interesting concept it's uh it, it's it kind of plays best as a campaign where you kind of you basically accrue uh, so similar to Stargrave, but Stargrave is a little bit like you kind of your two crews fighting each other while five parsec is more that you you kind of playing against the world so it's uh there's more than just the kind of uh, you know uh miniature game so to speak so it's a lot of uh interesting stuff i also have this project which i worked on but i put a little bit on ice is this ice hockey game i'm doing fantasy ice hockey game and i don't mean fantasy in the sense let's guess who will win kind of thing but fantasy in the sense that there are skeletons or orcs playing or dwarves or whatever uh and i want to take that a little bit further i i actually uh, me and max have developed a set of rules that we are trying out for that as well which is quite interesting so there, there's plenty to do you know uh next year as well i hope uh, so if we you're cannot. not going to be bored then. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. There's, there's plenty to kind of, plenty to cover as well. Uh, you know, and there's so much old projects I have, and I, I kind of, I, uh, I do my annual on the blog kind of, uh, uh, looking back, and I'm always surprised every year. That although I felt this year that not much happened, that actually, you know, there is always a lot kind of going on. Uh, what I'm going to try to do is to try to be a little bit better at production this year has probably been the amount of blog posts I normally would do as a statistic, but it is helped by the fact that I did 31 posts in one month during Terrain Tober. That's a considerable amount for one yeah. month, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. And even to the point where I missed, I think, my 200th blog post that I wanted to make a little bit of event for. So we're now aiming for the kind of 250s to have a big kind of party here, you know, and, and, uh, rent some o2 arena or something and uh, <laughs> well make sure you invite me to that uh, yeah I, I will do and, and but but here is another thing as well if someone is interested and, and i have asked a few friends of mine to to basically whether they would be interested to put in a a little bit of a post on the blog you know uh, a guest post uh and uh, if there's someone out there who thinks that look i'm I don't really want to kind of do a blog post, but I have a battle or something, a project in six mil that perhaps we could store somewhere for all, well, eternity. Well, at least as long as I can afford to pay the 
the hosting charges, which are not enormous, so there is a chance they will stay there for a while, uh, to maybe contact me. So my blog is basically rollaone.com. Uh, so rollaone.com. And basically, there's a contacting there or Twitter or whatever and say, look, I have a six millimeter project. You know, I have a few pictures and I want to talk a little bit passionately about the doing. That's probably as far as I go in terms of quality control. And you don't say anything kind of rude about someone in it, then then probably I might have a, a, a place for your project. Yeah, it might be a little bit kind of, you know, so, some I, I reserve some right to maybe edit certain things if if but you know so if someone is interested to kind of you know or, or want to try out what it is to be on a on a blog then so we'll see what happens i asked a few friends to do something and i'm not making any kind of money i'm not trying to get something from free from you that i will benefit from uh, but if it's something that you think will benefit yourself, then I'm more than happy to try to help facilitate that. Uh, it's great, you know, to share things in this hobby. Uh, I started it on the back of, you know, taking part of uh, and following a lot of blogs where I learned a lot from, you know, everything from how to paint and how to do projects and, and so on. And it was just a way to kind of give back something. And, uh, and and I know sometimes for some people, they might have a story in them. So I've asked Des, for example, and no pressure, Des, but to uh, he does some amazing kind of gardens he has done for his uh, tables where he has a lot of, you know, you have a lot of buildings on your tables and that looks kind of great, but actually these are kind of modular kind of gardens that you can place behind them. And it suddenly creates from that little building you know, sitting there on that little mat on its own suddenly kind of brings it to life, you know. And and uh, he's done those and, and they look brilliant. And he claims that, you know, it's quite easy now for him once he got up to speed. So, you, you know, those kind of things, because that is in line of what I want to kind of encourage, you know, immersion on the table yeah. and things like that. Well, that sounds great. I'll certainly put um, uh, a, a complete list of show notes up, uh, including... A link through to rollerone.com. Sorry, yeah. the Caesar award-winning rollerone.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so so I, I can enjoy that. So so yeah. So during Christmas, I will pompously announce myself as that in any social gathering I am, which probably will only be with my children. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope they appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. Do. Maybe I should wear the medal as well at uh, at the Christmas dinner. Yeah, I think I think you should absolutely, yeah. and I think I think you should be applauded as you enter the room. <laughs> Where... Yeah, I, th I, I think so. I mean, the funniest thing is that it's it's. Uh, yeah, I don't think my family read many of my two hundred whatever odd blog posts, but 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 look. Uh, you know, so they have slightly different interests to me. It would be boring if we all sat here in this little box room doing hobby stuff. It's not not space enough for it, so I'm kind of happy to kind of close the door sometimes. But but yeah, so so I think really, I mean, for me though, the the kind of uh, uh, the the other thing I just want to say so that's been great this year, and I, I just want to do a shout out to Fenris Games. Because I've really found some amazing models from Fenris Games that are kind of really kind of took me up a level in terms of painting. Now Fenris does mainly things in 28 mils. I'm sorry, but it's really kind of uh, 
great to kind of what Ian does and and etc. And and he's recently had a Kickstarter with a lot of you know animal kind of humanoid animals. Uh, absolutely brilliant quality and so on. So that that's my kind of you know if if, if you're not going to do six mil, then go to Fenris Games and have a have a look. Some amazing well, stuff. Well, we have broadened the horizons slightly of the podcast. So, uh, well, that's why I mention it because I, yeah. I think it's important to kind of uh, to consider these kind of things as well, you know. And and again, you know, I'm I'm not being lost in some world of only skirmish gaming, but it is really nice. So we'll, we put a, we'll put a link uh, to Fenris up as well. And a, a shout out to Fenris for the show. Um, Okay, uh, Pat, it's been fantastic to catch up with you. Um, Thank you very much. Six months since we've spoken. But have you been reading any books recently, Pat, that you might wish to recommend to the listeners and add to the shelves of the God's Own Scale Virtual Library? Yeah, for me this year, I think it is James Holland's Brilliant. Brother in Arms. Oh, my, yes. I've just finished it. <laughs> What a great book. Well, so I, I just think that it's... I, I didn't read the book. I actually listened to it on Audible. So did I. <laughs> and, and so, so, but I think, but I think, I think the, the spirit is the same. But I, I just find myself at times just kind of just listening to the book rather than it being in the background while I was doing my work. I mean, uh, in work, what I mean is when I was doing my hobby thing. I mean, I, I have... Uh, you know, uh, there was a time where Hobbit took more than my perhaps reading time, and I it it was always that conflict. Now a lot of the stuff I'm reading is difficult to to kind of find on on you know in that form in Audible, you know, or something like that because it's so specific. You know, it might be only you know hundred copies being made, and you know the cost of producing it, but. There are a lot of other books that I could mention, but for me, that is the book, you know, this year. And, and it's got Al Murray reading it, hasn't it, which uh, adds to it because um, I'm a big fan of the We Are We Have Ways podcast. So, um, yeah, that, that's a great book, isn't it? Following that tank regiment. Uh, so, so, so what I'm saying is that can we can I put it in the bookshelf and also in your audio library as well that you have there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. that 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 is the first audio book to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, so because that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Because to me, it is like, and and although I haven't done, because it's back to this thing again that you kind of you feel the smell of shit, you know. Sometimes, sorry for the expression, but you know that that, that how it is to be in that kind of situation is basically following a tag regiment during the kind of uh, you know nineteen forty four and onwards, and it's really interesting to understand how things work or how they don't work and how they actually engage with it what they understand and so on and it's just difficult to kind of say that that was the greatest with it it's just the fact that it tells a story in such kind of way that it engages you and you kind of feels part of it and i think that's where what i love with with writers like like james holland and also his brother who writes books but they actually engages you from from the beginning to the end it's like it's well researched and and uh, it doesn't feel opinionated, you know. It feels descriptive, but also, but in doing that, it conveys a kind of a some kind of 
you know, feeling for things and how things are, and they wouldn't be that, you know, is is perhaps different. And 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 it it's it's modern history writing as it at its best, you know, because it's based on factual. It's not just, you know, uh, good writing, but it's actually good research as well. Yeah, I, I likened it to um, a British tank regiment version of Band of Brothers, in that you're following the the, the characters and the. The, these real people who who were in the regiment and uh, the ones who died and the ones who survived and the injuries that some of these men got, which was shocking. But it, it, it's a re- I find it quite a moving read, um, actually. Uh, well, sorry, read, listen. But, uh, let's get it right because uh, Al Murray uh, read it uh, to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a great book. So that is a great recommendation, Pear. Thanks so much for that. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, Pear. Um, Thank you, and, and uh, good luck with the, you know, the next forty or whatever. Yes, the next um, forty. Yeah, well, it, uh, hopefully it won't be forty shows before you're back on again, Pear. But um, yeah, I think uh, I, I said I, I called it Band of Brothers, didn't I? But what what it is actually called is Brothers in Arms. No, yeah. no, you got the name right. You got okay, the name yeah, right. okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, I just was confused <laughs> what I said, so no one's looking yeah. there and thinking, oh. That was that American bloke who wrote it. Okay, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So James no, Holland, Brothers right. in Arms, wonderful yes. book. Uh, wonderful to book to to man. probably to read as well. But I just listened to it, you know. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, been great uh, to have you back on uh, this first episode actually for a couple of months uh, for various reasons. But uh, I couldn't think of a better guest to have join me uh, back onto episode forty, um, and uh, we'll speak to you again very soon, pair. Yeah, well, any time, mate, but don't, not too often, and get even more bored of me. Yeah, <laughs> that'll never happen, Pa. Don't you worry. <laughs> Many thanks to Pear for joining me for that look back on the last few months of his hobby life. In my hobby update, I'm back painting 6mm at last. Having had probably a six month hiatus whilst I painted some Mantic and Peter Pig figures, I painted up some AWI British as I slowly get the forces built for the Guildford Courthouse. I'm really feeling the urge to crack on with that project now and get it completed. It's not an awfully big project. Um, I've probably half a dozen US units and three British units done. And I've got all the figures, so just need to crack on and get them sorted. And I'll be using the Polymos Rudiger rules. I have to say, uh, this was inspired by the guys over at the Hobby Support Group podcast, which I highly recommend uh, after listening to this, you go and seek out a group of guys down in London uh, producing mainly historical content with uh, some uh, sci-fi and fantasy content, but uh, principally historical, and it's been great to 
catch up with their back episodes, their back catalogue, and listen to what's going on in their hobby life. It was the briefest of mentions uh, by Andy, one of the hosts, who also has some British and US American World Independence figures in 6mm. It sparked me into getting mine back out and having a go at them. It's funny how the merest mention of something can really fire an interest. And I think I was driving on my commute to work and you hear mention of Six Mill War of Independence and your mind starts ticking over and making plans and ideas come uh, to the fore and it occupied me for the rest of the commute that day and I think it was that night when I got home that I got them out and started painting so it's really great when uh, inspiration strikes like that and you really have to in my experience you have to pick it up and run with it, pick up the ball and run with it and on top of that I've actually painted the first of my three British divisions for my long awaited T-Car game uh, which I'm hoping to put on at the Joy of Six or at local courthouse but either way I've made a start on that and I'm very much looking forward to painting some more. I've ordered the third division that I need from Bacchus uh, which will give me all the figures I need for the British. I've already got the Germans. I've got the trenches uh, and I'm good to go uh, using Great War Spearhead 2. But more on that in the next episode hopefully. Speaking of the Hobby Support Group podcast, they've been running a Hobby Commitment Challenge over the last year uh, that they call the Oval List, which I think is named after one of the hosts. It's basically a picture list of Hobby Goals for the year that you can print off and then tick off your achievements as you go. So using a creative collage app on your phone, uh, just pop using a photo collage app on your phone, just pop in some uh, relevant photographs of miniatures or artwork that remind you of that project. Typically, uh, the guys over there have got 16 to 20 different projects that they might aim to collect, uh, that they might aim to complete 10 or 12 of. Uh, and I've done my own. I think there's 15 items on there. And I'm going to go with the ambitious total of ten, uh, trying to get 10 of those projects done over the next 12 months. However, uh, I'm not going to put myself under any pressure. Uh, what gets done is what gets done. Um, and my intention is to put my own overall list up on the God's Own Scale Facebook group, ready for the new year and see how I get on. One of my resolutions actually is to post more on the God's Own Scale Facebook group. Uh, to chart my own hobby over the year, the figures I've painted, the games I've played, that sort of thing. And again, with no pressure or targets, but it will help me to have a little focus at least. The Stoke Club is looking forward to a good year of gaming, and with the return of a couple of old faces in the new year, I'll be putting on my Antietam and Mons game at some point, hopefully January or February, but I'll keep you up to date as those occur. Okay, that's it for now. Hope you've enjoyed this show. As ever, thank you to my patrons for supporting me and keeping the lights on in God's Own Scale Towers. 
If you want to join the Patreon, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash wisdom scale. But most of all, thank you to each and every one of you who download the episodes of this podcast. This is a one-man show, as you all know. It's great to get the feedback and encouragement that I do over the various social media platforms. Uh, it really encourages me, encourages me to keep producing this show. It really means more to me than I can express in words. So thank you very much. But until next time, stay safe, stay nice, and keep talking about sex. Don't cry, don't cry, there's a silver lining in the sky.